water. You hear that? Did we hear that? So something happened this past year in the very auditorium that you are sitting in that has never happened before, I think, in the history of this building. I can't say for certain, but I'm like 99%. So when I got the phone call, I panicked a little bit. And uh, then I walked in the doors that you walked in this morning, and I saw to my panicked eyes several inches of standing water in this very auditorium. Yeah, it was scary. Um, I may have panicked in my head a little bit. I didn't say a bad word out loud. <laughs> I have thus repented, okay? But staring at all of the equipment, as you can see before us, and several inches of water made me take pause. And I wasn't really sure what we were going to do. I panicked. And we all kind of did. It was an all-hands-on-deck moment for our staff and anyone who was um, <clears throat> brave enough to answer the phone on those calls. Uh, so we brought in towels. Didn't work. No. Towels didn't really, that didn't work. We had a lot of them, but it didn't work. And then we were bringing in shop vacs, anything we could do to suck up the amazing amount of water in this. We found out where the low spot in the building is. Want to venture to guess? That corner. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a scary moment. We finally had to call in the professionals. I think we had to call in like whatever they called ServPro or whatever. And they brought in like the industrial dryers and the real equipment and the machines to suck up the water and all of that. Um, that was an example of bad overflow. <laughs> bad overflow. <clears throat> there are times when overflowing is bad. Like when you flush that toilet and the water's going opposite the way you want it to go. It's rising, not going. That's bad overflow. Or overfilling that fuel tank. That's bad overflow. But there are examples of good overflow. Now, look, on the water incident, we're past that. We're all good. Lessons learned. Tur turns out when we fill the baptistry, we have to make sure we watch it uh, and turn it off at said important points. <clears throat> so we have learned from that. But moments when overflow is good, when you're, you know, getting your clothes ready to go into the washer and you, you go through your jean pockets and you find some extra cash, that's a good overflow. I'll take that any day. It's weird because I don't think $20 buys much anymore, but if I find one of my jeans, I feel like I just won the lottery. Anybody? That's good. That's a good overflow. You get, you get that tax check back from said government and it's bigger than you thought. That feels good. When the bank account's bigger than you thought it was going to be, that, that feels good. That bonus you weren't expecting, those are examples of good overflow. We, we want good overflow. That's nice. But I got to tell you, Growing up, I didn't feel like my family had a lot of overflow. Um, 
Some of you know that I, I grew up on a farm. We had like a, it was kind of like a Brady Bunch except for just dudes because all my stepbrothers were, were, were brothers. <laughs> so we, five, five boys on the farm. I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, I didn't feel like we had overflow. I mean, we always have food on the table. My parents did their best job they could. Um, but I didn't feel like we, we had so much in abundance. And uh, part of that's just, you know, five boys eating all the food in the fridge all the time. I don't remember how many gallons of milk we would go through in a given week, but there's a lot. And so I know my parents had a challenge financially, but you know, we're on a farm. It wasn't big bucks. It was, sometimes it was years between bumper crops, right? So I didn't feel like we were always overflow. It felt more like hand-to-mouth, hand-me-downs, and paycheck to paycheck. Is there anybody else in this room that can relate to that? Maybe that's you right now. And that's tough. You know, you don't feel like you got so much overflow that it's coming out, you know, coming out your ears. I mean, look, I'm very thankful. I had jeans when I was a kid, but they weren't Levi's. They were tough skins. Some of you are old enough to remember tough skins. That's, that's what I had. Floyd, you're with me. A couple of us will form a support group later. Tough skins. Do they still make tough skins? I don't even know. Is that like JCPenney's? I don't, I don't know. Obviously, my fashion sense is not what it used to be. But yeah, it was, uh, even after Jackie and I got married in our early 20s, I didn't feel like we had an overflow. In fact, we, we bounced a lot of checks. We were really paycheck to paycheck. And um, for, for a while there, even when, when our kiddos were young, we lived on that program, I think they call WIC, Women, Infants, and Children, which I think you got like, correct me if I'm wrong, cheese, you got peanut butter, you got, did you get eggs? Milk, kind of like the, I guess, staples or whatever. That really got us through for many years. And uh, so, yeah, living, living this idea of overflow hasn't really been much of our experience. I mean, lately, God has blessed us. You know, Jackie's got a great job. We're able to be a lot more generous like we always wanted to be. But boy, starting out, didn't feel super overflowy. And, uh, you know, I think many of us struggle in this department of, of overflow and abundance. Sometimes we, we live with this sort of mindset of scarcity. Like there's never enough, so we better hoard it or hold on tight to it. Instead of living open-handed, we live a lot more closed-fisted. I think God might have something different for us. And that's kind of what we're leaning into for this series that we're calling Overflow. Because if you've ever struggled, let's do that. Who's struggled in the past financially? Who's had a tough time? Okay, everybody, all right, a lot of people, most people in this room. Uh, maybe some of you are struggling now. And, and so we, we have a mindset to overcome a little bit when it comes to our own generosity, uh, our, our abundance, we struggle with this. But here's the reality. If you've said yes to Jesus, the scriptures tell us in Colossians that we've been transferred. We got a transfer, sort of like a bus ticket to a different train. We're on a different train. We've been transferred, according to Colossians 1, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've been transferred. We've got a transfer in Christ from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear son. We got transferred from a kingdom that's scarcity and darkness to a kingdom with a king who owns it all to a king of kings of the entire universe. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and scarcity to the kingdom of God's dear son. And that's a kingdom 
of abundance. So I believe we need an additional transfer in that, in that deal. We need a transfer of a thinking that's scarcity to a thinking of abundance. And that's really where we're headed in this overflow series, and especially today. I want to live with a mindset of abundance, not scarcity. Who's with me? Abundance. That we have more than we need, and God is using us to bless other people. That's what I'm hoping to hit today. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here today. If this is your first Sunday, welcome. I know it's scary to check out a new church. We had a, a, a two folks in, on our 9 o'clock that had never been to our church before, and they came up to me and they said, Whew, it wasn't weird. <laughs> Woo! We did it. Good job. It's all you. We did it. <laughs> it could be scary to check out a new church, you know? So that was brave of them, but um, I'm glad you're here today. It's, a, it's an important moment in our week, right? It's the first day of the week. It's a reset of our week. It's a moment where Christ followers all over the globe are gathering. Why do we gather on Sunday? Because that was the day Jesus of Nazareth was raised out of that tomb, and it changed human history forever, and it changed our hearts forever. Nothing will ever be the same, right? That's why we gather on Sundays, and today we're going to lean into this whole idea of what it means to live with overflow. It's a four-point uh, four series. Today we're talking about the abundance mindset. Look, we want to look at generosity in a lot of different ways, but it's January. It's a good time to think about what does God want to do with our financial resources, our time, and, and our talents, and that's what we're going to lean into for the next several weeks. I hope you can stick with us. Let's uh, pause for a word of prayer and uh, then get into the text. Father, we come before you as a church family. We're thankful that you love us more than we possibly could even imagine. And you have everything. You own everything. Father, I pray that you would help us today have the courage to remember we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your dear son and a kingdom of scarcity to a kingdom of abundance and overflow. Lord, we lean into that. Teach us. Encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from the beginning of Scripture, and if you've got a Bible or a device, I encourage you to find Genesis chapter 12. From the beginning of the story of God's people, and when I say God's people, especially when you're thinking about the Old Testament, you know I don't love the name Old Testament. And the whole Bible's old. I mean, it's 2,000 years or more, right? The whole thing's old. So old is probably a bad term. The first covenant, the first promise of God's people, and then the New Testament, the new covenant. So in that first bit, we have the story of God's people that would eventually, from the Hebrew people, become the nation of Israel, right? And uh, later, those group of people will be known, especially after exile from Babylon, as the Jewish people, the people of Judah. That's what that means. And so these are God's people, and God from the beginning had a plan for that people. And it wasn't a plan that they were just going to be like the superheroes of the planet. They were actually supposed to have a real mission. So back at the very beginning, we got Abraham. Abraham's like the, I guess, the patriarch, right? He's the, the, the dude, and, and the family was started with him. And at the very beginning, God had some instructions of mission for Abraham. Uh, instructions about blessing. And not just blessed with need, blessed with more than he would need for a specific reason. So they could bless the world. Listen to Genesis chapter 12. And this is uh, around verse 1. And I'll read it here. And I'm going to stand to read it, okay? And this is God speaking. He says, hey, Abraham, go from your country 
and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham, not just your family. Not just what would become the Jewish people. Let me read that again. It's in the text. You, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Not some, not a specific few, not only one race, tribe, nation. All families of the earth will be... Abraham was supposed to be, in his people, a global blessing. A game changer to the world. Now later, another leader in Israel, also kind of a big deal, was Moses. Most of, most of us have heard the name Moses, uh, part in the Red Sea and then Egypt and the Pharaoh. Most of us know some of that, even if we're not that religious, we probably heard some of that. Moses was an important person. In fact, the scriptures talk about Moses having a special relationship with God, which is pretty cool. God would tell him things. He'd be like, we're buddies. It's kind of cool. I wish, I wish you know, more of us could experience that. I think that's, that's awesome. So they had a special relationship, Moses and God did. And God was forming a nation under his leadership, which we would, get, be, would be known as Israel, right? That's the name of Jacob, who became Israel. He's the dad of the 12 sons. It goes way back. You don't have to remember all this. But Israel was going to be this great nation. And, uh, and God promised to Moses and the people. It's almost like God set everybody down and just said, look, if you stay close to me, you won't need a king. All these other nations have kings. You don't need a king. Instead of a monarchy, it's going to be a godarchy. That's not even the right word. What am I looking for? A theocracy. So you don't need a king like these other nations. I'm going to be your king. So you're going to come to me. It's going to be this great relationship. If you'll stay close to me, I will provide everything you need and a little more. Because one of the missions of the nation of Israel was even when you run into foreign people, aliens, orphans, widows. We call them the AOWs. Whenever you run into them, God says you need to take care of them. And I'm going to make sure you have what you need and more than you need so that you can do that. It was a beautiful plan, but they needed to stay close to him. So it worked out great. Why are you laughing? Turns out human nature just is a bummer sometimes. We are stubborn people. And the nation, they started to get a little tempted by the other nations. Well, they have a king. He has a really cool limo. And uh, look, he's got the cool crown, and we want a king too. See, what happened is the nation started to be tempted by all those things around. They didn't want to stay a God-kinged nation they were being tempted and pulled away and they rebelled. Which is crazy because God promised them, if you'll stay close to me, I'm going to bless you with what you need and even more. In fact, he took it further. If you don't believe me, you need to look this up. This week, look it up. See if I'm lying to you. I'm not, I promise you. 
God told them, if you'll stay close to me as a nation, not only will I be your king, your crops will always be bumper crops. Now, some of you didn't grow up on a farm. I did. Bumper crops weren't every year. In fact, bumper crops were often that one particular year that paid off some of the debt from the other years. If you've ever been in farming, who's done farming in here? A few of you? There's a couple in first, first service. We understood this, that it wasn't every year you got a bumper crop. I remember it seemed like there was one year when I was in high school. I want to say it was the late 80s, something like that. We had one of those bumper years. And it was like, celebrate. I got Levi's that year, I think. Yes. Tough, kin, tough kins go away. But God promised them every year would be a bumper year. And any farmer would tell you on those good years, you stored up, you paid back debt, you were prepared for maybe a few years that weren't bumper crops. God told them every year you're going to have a greatest hits. Wow. He, he didn't stop there. He thought that would be good enough. Then he said, your clothes will never wear out. I could have had one pair of Levi's for my entire life. I got to get off this jeans thing, I know. But your clothes would never wear out. I can't even... I mean, some of you are into nice clothes. Uh, I've, I've gotten a few of you that schooled me on the whole Carhartt thing, okay? These rugged work things. They're going to last forever, but not this long. Your crops would always be bumper. Your clothes will never wear out. He didn't finish. And we're not done yet, folks. He also said, and there's going to be a few babies born around here, you will never have a stillborn baby. Your babies will always be born. Now, I know, I know that sounds beautiful. All of these, and that didn't end there. It was over and over again. I'm going to bless you, but you got to stay close to me. You got to stay close to me. How did that work out? Not so good. Human rebellion, that led to a split nation. Israel was never Israel after Solomon's son, was it Rehoboam? One of the Boams got, got in his business, split the kingdom. They were never one kingdom again. All those tribes and the ten tribes are lost. They became what we, we know as Samaritans. There's some really unsure things what happened there. Then we end up in, in exile under Assyria, then Babylon, then finally they're released under Ezra and Nehemiah to come back, but they weren't like they were. And then, and then they could only really count a couple of tribes at that point. Of the twelve, you had maybe Benjamin, you had Judah, maybe some Levites thrown in there. But what the, the back was broken. Even then... God was still sending them prophets saying, to return to me. Return to me. I have more blessings for you. Return to me. I'm not done with you yet. That's such good news for us humans. That even when we screw it all up, God's not done with us. Isn't that good news? Prophet after prophet, including the last prophet of the Old Testament section. The last prophet was, if you know your Bible, it starts with an M. Uh, in, in Italian, it's Malachi. Malachi, oh, that's good. You're welcome. You can take that one. Malachi 3, one of the prophets, once again, now we're dealing with exile, and, and, and there's a small remnant now back in Palestine wondering if God's done with us. He's not done. Listen to what Malachi said. Look, this is the Lord talking. There's this, this conversation between the Lord and people. It's a little hard to follow, but hang on. In Malachi chapter 3, return to me. This is God's, God talking. Return to me, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you say, 
how shall we return? And then God says, will man rob God? And yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we been robbing you? God says, in your tithes, in your contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. He's not done. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In other words, I'm going to bless you the more than you need for overflow. I want to provide for you. Even after all the, the mess-ups and the civil war and conquering, all of that, God's not done with you. And he said, if you'll just return to me, get back in that relationship, I've got overflow for you because I'm not done with you yet. That is good news. Blessed over with more than enough. That's what God wants for his children. It's what he's always wanted for his children. All the way back to Abraham, he still wants that for us. In the New, in the New Testament, the word for abundance in Greek has a number of different nuances. There, there's the idea of having more, uh, for sure, but like uh, abundance, but also greater advantage, abounding, a great deal of, even excess, and intense excess. It's the idea that more than is necessary. And God wanted that for us too. To hoard it? No. To be a blessing. It's what he told Abraham all the way back. That you would be a blessing to just a few nations on earth. Well, what did he say? All the people on the earth will be blessed. Not so you hoard it, but that you would be a blessing and you would overflow to other people. More than is necessary. That would be nice. Wouldn't it? More than is necessary. In other, in other words, it's like God's grace is more. And through Christ, it's like, here's what you need, and then I'm going to add a few more. So that you can hoard it. No, 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 no. Not hoard. So that you can be a blessing. You get, does that make sense? If you need more, Think about the two big healings, or not healings, but food miracles. Food can heal. But anyway, my point is, two, I had to think about that for a second. Two big food miracles. Do you remember what they were in the, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? There was two of them, right? There was a feeding of the five, like the 5,000, there was another one, it's close, like feeding of the 4,000. We know they were different because they're different results. And that's what I want to hone in on. You see, both times, Jesus is looking at his disciples, and he's like, look at all these people. What are we going to do? Hint, hint, hint. And, and he's like, uh, we can't send them away hungry. What are we going to do, guys? <laughs> hint, hint, hint. I mean, the whole time I'm thinking Jesus is just smiling in his head. And they're like, we can't do it. We don't have the money. We don't like, have to take a loan, uh, you know, and the U.S. Bank is closed right now. We can't get to it. I can't buy more food. We're a long way from fishing. And Jesus said, what do you got? Usually they had something, right? A couple of loaves, some fishes, or whatever. And then Jesus does this huge miracle. Blows everybody away. But what happens afterward? After what? After the people had just enough. They had just enough to get by. They had enough to satiate their hunger pain. 
Is that what the scriptures tell us? What do the, the gospels say? When, when the food was passing around, how much did everybody get? A ration? They were satisfied. They were, their bellies were full. They were satiated. It's not the end of the story. Then what happened with the food everybody didn't eat? What did Jesus have his disciples do? Gather it up. And in one, one of those, there's like 12 left over, right? 12 baskets. Were they half full? This is just blows my mind. Full baskets, 12 left over. Then the other one was like, what, seven? Interesting number, seven. Come on. Complete numbers of creation. Get used to this in the Bible. That's the way this works. Three, ten, seven. We'll get into that when we get to Revelation here in a month or so. But I love how John's gospel points out something with these fragments. John says in John chapter 6, gather up the leftover fragments, you guys, that nothing would be lost. We don't waste in the kingdom. But everybody had more than they needed. So now we had enough to give to other people. And it was important enough that nothing would be lost because that's good stuff. And we want to give it to... You see how this is working? More than we need. Not to hoard it. Jesus didn't say, okay, now uh, get out your um, vacuum pack sealers and then go ahead and get the freezers going so we can hoard it. They had to give it away pretty quick. How long does that last? A couple days? No preservatives back in the day. You see what's happening here. This is a, this is a, mind sh- a mindset shift from scarcity to abundance. This is a shift we need to make more than enough. The blessing of God can even flow, and this is a faith paradox. When Jesus talked about the kingdom, we said that he talked about an upside-down kingdom. God's economy is not like our economy at all. Read the Sermon on the Mount again. You'll be reminded this is an upside-down kingdom. Things are not as they seem. If you want to be great, you serve. If you want all the blessings, you be a blessing. This is the upside-down kingdom, and there's a faith paradox of generosity and giving, even financial giving. Even when you're in poverty or you're suffering, you can still be generous. One of my favorite stories of Jesus is when he's sitting at the temple and he's looking at the treasury and he's watching all these rich people like throw in a bunch of stuff. And look at me, I threw in a bunch of money. I put in a whole crypto right there. And then there was this gal that came up and she just had two small pennies because she trusted God. And Jesus is like, I'll take the pennies over the crypto. No, the point is, (laughs) she gave in everything she had. That is trust. That's trust not in a God of scarcity, but in a God of abundance. Love that story. It's convicting. It's challenging to me. bothers me. This is the God we serve. It's an upside-down kingdom. That's the faith paradox. Even when we're in, say, we think a poverty state, we can still be generous because it's not about an amount. We get our minds thinking that it has to be about a big amount. It's not about an amount. It's about a heart being willing to give what you've got. I don't have everything, but I can give you this. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians as he's taking a, a kind of a, 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 taking up an offering 
for the church that's in Jerusalem. And some of those would be Jewish folks too. Uh, Jerusalem was suffering a famine. In fact, there were several famines that happened in the first and second, third centuries in Rome. One of their biggest problems, we're going to see this in the book of Revelation, that one of their biggest problems in Rome was wheat and grain. And they would do anything they could to get grain, so much so that grain was more than gold. So we had several famines, and that was happening. So Paul is talking to the churches. A lot of these are brand-new Christians. Some of them aren't even Christians yet. They're just figuring it out. They, they were just Jews, and they heard about Jesus. like, this is great. So he's making an offering, getting it ready to go to Jerusalem. And he speaks about to these folks. He says, look, people in, Corinthian, in, in this town of Corinth, there is overflowing grace from God when we do good to others. And that doesn't require a big, fat bank account to do it. It's not about an amount. It's about a heart. We don't have to wait till everything's well-funded before we're generous. If we wait, it's too long. You know, the, the sad reality is, I think they've done a lot of research on this, the more people have, the less generous they are. I don't know why that is. The more people have, the less generous it is. It's almost like maybe some of them grew up like I did, where there wasn't a lot of overflow, so when overflow starts coming, well, i got to hoard it for myself. That's never what God wanted for us. It's never about hoarding it for ourselves. It's to be a blessing. Following Jesus, if you said yes to Jesus, he himself promised not an ordinary, mediocre, lame life. He said in John 10.10, Look, folks, I have come that you won't just have a lame life, a boring life, a scarcity life. I have come that you would have life and life abundant. Same word of overflow. I want you to have an overflowing sort of life, not an average life. That's what he wanted for us, abundant. So I think it's time for us to not just be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, but to have a transfer from a mindset of scarcity to one of abundance. It's time. Look, God has blessed us not to hoard it, but to be a blessing. Most of the world lives on about $7 a day. Most of us in this room have more than $7 a day. You have been blessed with more than you need. You can do something for someone. And again, that could be a blessing of your time. That could be a financial gift. That could be using what you know how to do to help someone else. God has asked us to be a blessing, and we need a change of mindset. Look, if we hoard we got a problem. Jesus told a story in Luke 12 about a guy who wanted to hoard everything. In fact, it was a farmer, if I remember right. He had a bumper crop, and he was thinking, great, now that I have a bumper crop, I'm going to go and help people. Do you remember this story in Luke 12? This is a scary story, people. If you want a scary story this week, read Luke 12 and be convicted like crazy. What happened? He gets a bumper crop, and he's looking around. He's thinking... I don't have enough barns or silos to fit all this grain. So what I better do logically is build bigger silos, get a bigger barn. I mean, I need a place to put the RV. And uh, I got to put the boat somewhere. I mean, God wouldn't want me to have the boat outside. It's crazy. <clears throat> you see the problem? We're just going to keep hoarding it for ourselves. Not that it's, listen, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to have blessing. Yes, blessing, but we're not blessed so we can hoard it and flaunt it around. God has asked us to be a blessing. We can enjoy great things, but blessing has responsibility. And it's a beautiful thing when we do it right. 
But read, read chapter 12 of Luke and be disturbed because he dies that night. If I remember the story, correct me if I'm wrong. Then he dies that night and like we have no control that we're going to live tomorrow, folks. The fact that we're alive today is awesome. Celebrate it. Not everybody gets that blessing. We don't know how long we got. So we could be a blessing instead of hoarding it, building bigger stuff so we hoard. And, and instead of living close-fisted, we are called in God's economy to live open-handed as much as we can. And I can tell you, it's fun to be, be a giver. Even when people don't know you're giving, that is fun generosity. That's what God is calling you to. And so do you want to have the ability to unleash unlimited blessing from God to other people? If you do, it starts with you and I. It starts with you and I saying, what does God bless us with? How can we be generous with that? You're thinking, well, I'm not rich. That's okay. What can you do that you can, that you can bless somebody else with? My wife and I, Jackie, we've been married 30 years. We decided even back then when we were living on WIC and we were bouncing paycheck to paycheck, we decided then we were going we to give 10% to our local church family, the, the family that was supporting us, uh, guiding us spiritually, all that. We thought we're going we're to start there. In some months, that was hard. For years, that was hard for us. But we, we decided together that's going to come out at the beginning. We will never see it. And it seems like the last 30 years, things have gone better with the 90% than it ever would have gone if I would have had the whole 100% myself. We have just done better with, because it changes your priorities. It really does. So start where you're at. And again, this is not just a message about money, but it's part of what God has gifted to us. So be generous with what you have. Start where you are. Maybe you decide to join Jackie and I. Do, do a 10%, but we do more than that, and that's where the fun happens. We start, we get, we get sponsor kids, other places we'll never see. We get to help missionaries. We get to do all kinds of things, places we'll never go. That is fun. We get to give anonymous gifts to people. That's fun. Start where you're at. You don't have to have a billion dollars to do that. In God's economy, this is what I love. You never lose when you give. You never lose. It doesn't make any sense. But in God's economy, it's upside down. You never lose when you give, ever. You only gain. If not on this planet, in new heavens and new earth. You never lose when you're generous. That is a beautiful thing. Hold on to that. When we're giving, we never lose. And here's the only thing today. Change your mindset. We need a change of mindset. We need to embrace abundance. Embrace abundance. Romans 12, 1 and 2 helps us do this. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't be conformed any longer to the patterns that you see in the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, knowing and putting out there what God's perfect will is for your life. Being transformed, a change of mindset. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, and that's a life of abundance. Let's embrace that abundance mindset. Would you pray with me? Father, you're good and powerful. Thank you for loving us more than we could possibly imagine and giving us more blessing than we need. And Lord, I pray for each person in this room that we would be game changers in this community. That Father, we as a collective group, as a church, we want to be generous in abundance and share that with people. Imagine, Father, what that could do in our community. Help us to be your ambassadors of generosity and abundance this week. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.